Welcome to another episode of Two Crones in a Book, where your host Shell and Annette get together to talk book-related stuff. This could be a review of a book, watch-along of movies based on books, or general ramblings. But be warned, each episode, including this one, contains adult language and spoilers. Consider yourself thoroughly warned, and welcome to our chaotic tea party. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two Crones and a Book, with your hosts Shell and... and your old mate Annette. Woohoo! <laughs> um, where we are going to do a book review this episode about uh, The Corset. Uh, the Corset is by... Laura... Laura Purcell. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Corset by Laura Purcell, and this was my pick. Yeah. Now, I will confess before we proceed any further, because I'm not sure if Annette was going to like this or not. Um, it was It's kind of a hit and miss job. Uh, I picked this because I found it in a charity shop and it was in mint condition. And the cover of the paperback was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it was blue with a peacock style feather on, feather on the front. Um, it, it was just really nice. and It felt really, really good. So I managed to talk Annette into to reading it. Annette, as always, is going to do the audible version. Yep. And... I th- we will follow the normal format where we give you uh, little lightish spoilers and then we'll give you a heads up when we go into full on spoilers. So let's start off. Annette, I'm dying to know. I know people sometimes don't believe us. So just to clarify, we try not to discuss the books no. in between recording so that we get that fresh impact from each other. Yep. Annette, what did you think? Well, just, just before I go into what I thought about it, can we just make it clear the... In the US, the title of the book is actually The Poison Thread. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, I just, I just, I found it on uh, her bio online. Okay. So just in case, we'll, we'll do it as a AKA yep. um, when we release. But so for our American listeners, you may either find it as The Corset or The Poison Thread. There's mm-hmm. a little fact out there for you. So you. anyway, what did I think of this book? Well, you, you <laughs> took a risk. I did take a risk, you, didn't I? This is not your normal no, thing. No, it is. It's set in the Victorian era, which is. Yep. You know that's ropey territory. <laughs> We're bordering into flowery language, as I like to call it. <laughs> um, when I initially started it, mm-hmm. I admit you, because you did warn me that the first eighty or so pages, so first couple of chapters, are a bit of a drag. Now, I'm going to admit I wasn't concentrating at all when I first started. Yep. I got to about, I think, chapter 11 because they're quite short chapters. Yep. And I was like, do you know what? I'm not listening. That's on the audio. I'm not listening to this, am I? So I stopped it and I started from the beginning. And dedication. And do you know what? <laughs> I didn't regret it, Michelle. Yeah! <laughs> I fucking love this book. <laughs> <laughs> awesome oh my god jaw permanently dropped throughout yeah once it starts i was the same as you when i first started the book i was like this is going to be pants it is just going to be a really to me felt like a regurgitation of the fingersmith for about the first 80 pages yeah. i was like you know this is someone has just taken the fingersmith by sarah waters and he's just trying to put a different spin on it well, I was wrong. Completely wrong. Completely and utterly wrong. Because um, once this takes off, doesn't it fucking take off? Holy God. I couldn't believe it. Because I, I was on holiday when I was listening to this. So it, it started obviously where I said where I wasn't paying attention. By the end of it, I was making excuses to do dishes just so I could stick my <laughs> earphones in and carry on listening to this book. That's brilliant. I'm so, so glad you liked it because, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, kind of summary is you, you've you got uh, there's two core characters. There's lots of other interesting side characters that all really nicely interweave. Yeah. I, I think the author did a really good job of creating what I mean, I, I think of it as a spider web where there's just all these bits that are linked into each other. If you moved one bit, then, it you know, the web wouldn't be as effective. So there are really good side characters as well, which we will go into in the full spoiler. Yeah. But the main gist of it is you've got a posh bird uh, in, in Victorian times That's... who is absolutely obsessed with the shapes of skulls and believes that the shape of your skull can dictate your, your characteristics. Um, and one of which she believes is 
a bump that, that indicates that you have the potential to be a murderer. So you've got low moral. Yeah, she's she's really into is it phonology? That's the word, isn't it? Yes. Dorothea, yep. I think her name was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. So you've got Dorothea, this posh bird, um, and she's got uh, little side things going on. So she's under pressure by her dad to get married, but she's generally um, doing a lot of volunteering work, part of which is to go into the prisons and talk to murderesses and study their skulls be- before they're, they're hung. Mm. And this is all to prove or disprove her theories. Yeah. She ends up going in to meet a really young, I think she's 16, don't quote me on that, but she's really, really yeah. young, girl called Ruth who's on trial for murder. And back in those days, it was, it was quick. It was a quick turnaround for murder. For killing her employer, yes. who was also the daughter of the woman who kept her as an apprentice, a forced apprentice in a seam shop and is was also at the time of being killed the wife of a guy called Billy who when he was a kid was also an apprentice in the seamstress yep. shop. Yeah, that's, that's the, it. the gist of yep. it, isn't it? Yeah. And what comes to light is uh, Ruth believes that she did kill this woman but she also believes that she has caused a load of other really traumatic dramas and and, and deaths and incidents throughout her life by stitching so she believes that she manifests whatever she's feeling or whatever she's thinking into her stitches and anybody who takes that as a gift or wears it then gets the outcome of whatever she's manifested in her mind when she was working yeah and therein lies your supernatural element to the story yeah so as the book is going on the more she begins to reveal her story to dorothea the posh bird and there's more and more coincidences so initially you think she should be in an asylum not in a prison yeah you know surely that's not true but even Dorothea as it goes on begins to question these coincidences and whether or not there is something to what she's saying yeah because there's also she's able to reference some of the stories to the paperwork concerning Ruth and um, yes. um, old news articles and things like that about it she researches and confirms yeah she? so it's kind of like this she's having this battle in her own mind between is this real or is you know it can't be real this is ridiculous mm. but then it's like but these facts kind of match up you know and it just it just pulls her in more in, uh, into you know she's going against everything that this woman believes because she has such a deep belief in phonology which we all we know now is hokum yeah. but at the time mm. you know there there were strong belief systems in this and that's that's a big theme i think as well throughout this is belief and faith and you yeah, and one of the things I liked about this book is that you don't find out right until the last few pages where this obsession is born yeah. from. Which I'm not going to say. Because you now. think, <laughs> no, we, we won't no. say until until we get there, until we give you an alert. Yes. But you, you do find out and then you oh, right, okay. But see, I felt like you were living both their lives, you were witnessing both their lives. So you've got Ruth, who's the murderess, giving her account uh, of what's happened and the stories that have happened. And then you've got Dorothea in present day who is living her life uh, and the stuff that she's got going on in her life at the time, which is, is quite epic in itself. Yes. And if you if you pay attention, I, I found that there was quite a bit of duality between the two. Definitely. I think, and I'm just going to give a nod to the narrator on Audible, Natalie Buscombe, did a fantastic job of differentiate in the characters yeah. vocally it was you know they had their different ebbs and flows it wasn't like too obvious you know because mm. ruth isn't exactly a knees up cockney brown type of girl she's you know no as we'll talk about later and the lit is slightly different in both but enough that you can t- you know you definitely know who's who in these conversations yeah. that they're having together as well, the two characters. Yeah, because some of it is point of view based, isn't yes. it? So you're, you're getting it and the chapters switch and reflect that in the paperback. It clearly says at the beginning of each chapter, Ruth or Dorothea. So you know which one you're getting. Yes. But some are at the same time, aren't they? Like you say, when they're in the same place, you're, you're, you're getting the conversations between yes. them. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, this was this was 100% awesome charity find is a definite yes from me. And uh, shockingly enough for a Victorian based book, 150% <laughs> from me. 
Awesome. So what we'll do now, now we've given it our thumbs up, everyone, is we will just give you very quickly the stats of the paperback versus the audio. And then we will go to the spoiler floor, um, which is where we let rip and we discuss anything and everything in the book as we see fit. So if you don't want to have full spoilers because you want to, to read it yourself blind, then you might want to pause just after the stats. However, if you don't want to read it, but you want to have a conversation where you sound like you've read it, <laughs> listen on. <laughs> um, so it was the, the corset, aka the poison thread in the States. Mm -hmm. And it for paperback, it was uh, 416 pages. I've got here that was published in 2019. ISBN was 140-888-9528. Annette, what was your audio? The audio came in at 11 hours 53. It sounds a lot, but once you get past that first hour or so, it really does fly by. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Once it took, and you just kept, I kept turning the pages thinking just one more chapter before I stop. Oh my God, I can't wait to talk about this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now is your last warning. We are about to get in the spoiler floor elevator. You will hear our, our beautiful little elevator piece of music. And when we come out of the elevator, immediately we dive straight yeah. in. So now is your last opportunity to either pause if you want to read it and make your own decision. And you can revisit us afterwards and see if you uh, agree with us. Or you can listen on. And when you're at your next party, you can pretend like you've read it and everybody will believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so cue the spoiler floor. Next stop, the spoiler floor. Annette! Michelle, if I had not already had a child, after reading this book, like fuck, I would have ever given birth. <laughs> I would have been smacking yeah. Andy away. <laughs> Don't come near me. <laughs> oh my God. I was pretty, pretty fucking brutal. So the bit that we're referring oh to God. is um, really early in the book. Ruth, who is a murderess, is um, having a flashback to her childhood. She was at a posh school, um, but she got pulled out of school to help her mum, who is a seamstress working from home. Mum gets up the duff quite late in life and then has uh, a baby. And it's a very, very traumatic read because it, go, it goes a bit horribly wrong, doesn't oh it? Oh, my God. This is one of the most graphic descriptions of what can go wrong in childbirth. And considering, as we said, this is during the Victorian era, mm. they could not get the help of a doctor because they had no money. Um, yeah. Mum had been well-to-do, married down with dad, who was an artist, had a bit of a, a drinking problem, was indebted to everyone. That's why they had to pull mm. Ruth actually out of school to help um, with the, because they'd seen her work, her, her sewing skills are phenomenal, better, you know, surpassing mm. her own mother's. And, oh my God. So they can't get the, the I think she, it was, um, was a bit Baby, in breach, wasn't it? Yeah, baby gets stuck. Yeah, baby was in breach, and it was horrific how they, um, how they described what it looked like. I mean, I don't have the words, but she, she begs her father to go for the doctor, and he says he can't do it. He won't come because he because of the money he owes. So what does he do? Typical fucking bloke goes and gets himself a rusty old blade and cuts her. Yep. Oh. So yeah, and he 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 cuts her to get the baby out. The baby comes out. Um, and he, he says to, to Ruth, who's really young at this uh, his point. His 12-year-old daughter. Yeah. You're going to have to get ready because you're going to have to stitch your mum back Ooh. up. And, she, yeah, she, there, you know, when she describes it, there is blood everywhere. She's trying to stitch mum back up. And the whole time as a coping mechanism, which is really relevant later in the book, she's saying to herself as she's stitching up, you know, don't see, be blind, be blind to the blood, be blind, be blind, be blind, as she's trying to just do it on muscle memory rather than than, than look at this horror that is before yeah. her. 
that's one of the first indicators, really, isn't it? That's one of her first references of when things got to go wrong, because this is when death now, which she's had a bit of a rough time before, but this is when death now starts to come to the house because the mum does survive. Yes. Uh, and she bonds really, really well with the baby. Yeah, Ruth Ruth does is very close to her baby sister. Yeah. And she um makes her is it a, a is it a cap or a, a blanket? So she yeah, she does both. She she makes a um the baby's cold. So she makes a cap, she stitches a cap because the baby's early as well, which means none of the clothes were ready. So she's stitching a cap because the baby's head is cold overnight. And while she's stitching the hat, she's processing the trauma of what's happened with her mum. And she's thinking, she's got a bit of post-traumatic stress. She's thinking about all the blood and the gore. And she, she's doing that as she is, is stitching the cap. Um, then she goes on to, she loves the baby and she goes on to wanting to treat the baby. So she she makes the baby a blanket and stitches a beautiful angel in the corner of yes, the blanket for the baby. A silver angel, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, a little silver angel, which is in her beautiful stitch work. Now, where this leads us in her story is as we move on, the baby dies. Mm-hmm. And the baby dies of, they call her a friend who's who was the wife of a doctor years ago round because uh, the baby's really struggling to breathe and is laying on the table and, and they're all standing around it in the kitchen. And the, the family friend says that it's the strangling angel, angel mm-hmm. which is what they called, uh, is it diphtheria? Yeah. Which is what they called diphtheria in Victoria times, Victorian times. That's the first link that you begin begins to become apparent to her stitching. So she stitches mm-hmm. an angel on the blanket and, and then the baby um, dies from this strangling angel condition, which is actually diphtheria. Oh, my God. When that bit hits you in the book and the realisation. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's like, wow. And then the, the, the mum, they're, they're trying to, to survive the mum is she she realizes the link between the two uh, ruth realizes the link between the two then it it becomes apparent that her mum's quality of stitching which they rely on as their only reliable source of income is dramatically deteriorating because she's going blind yeah and when if you remember as we've just said when ruth was stitching her mum back up to cope with the trauma she was saying be blind be blind don't see the blood be blind yeah You've got another link to a piece of work that she's done where she's emotively involved. Now her mum's going blind. Then the dad can't cope with it. So the dad goes and blows his brains out. I'm sorry, I'm I'm laughing. It's just, I'm just reliving this. I was traumatised after reading all this. (laughs) But it turns out that the dad kept a keepsake from the baby, which was the cap that Ruth was sewing. And while she was sewing it, she was thinking about all the blood and all the gore. And when they go in to find the dad, there is blood and gore everywhere because he's literally just blown his brains out with a revolver in his studio. This, now, by no means is this anywhere near half of the book. (laughs) This is just the beginning. (laughs) This is the bit that that Annette and I have said, you start to think it's taking off. So it it took about 80 pages to get to this, maybe 80, 100 pages to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, the only real bits that we've missed from the beginning is um, her altercation with, um, I can't remember the character's name, Bitchy Girl. And her mates. Yeah, the bully. We'll call the her bully. the bully. They, they just beat the crap out of her one day. Because, you know, you're, what is it they say to her? Like, um, you're not the type of person who has dresses made for them. You are the type that makes the dresses. Yes. There's that whole class system thing going on, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. And um, they knock ten bells out of her. But she's wearing, it, she's wearing this corset, isn't she? Yeah. And is it the... It snaps, doesn't it? All the bones, they beat her so bad that the bones in the corset snap. Yeah, so it's kind of suggesting that her gift, if you want to call it that, or her curse, comes Mm. from this corset. Yeah. Uh, Because she can't remove it after that incident, if I remember correctly. She can remove it, but then she 
tries making herself another one with scraps of material that she nicks from her mum's sewing jobs, and that's the one she can't remove. Right, okay, that was it. And it it's like it doesn't go mouldy or dirty or anything. No, it just it's just constant. And it's like her armor, isn't it? She it's she feels that it's her protective armor. This thing that she's made. Yeah. So that's hence why it's called the corset. <laughs> yes. So yeah. that's the only relevant bit from the beginning, really, that we've skipped. I don't know how you want to do this, Annette. Do you want to do a flow by character and then a summary of events at the end, or do you want to do the chronological events? What do you what are you feeling? I don't know because it's just it's all about the reveals, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I in my head, but this is the way we know that my head works. <laughs> Um, and not necessarily anybody else's. I, I would kind of, of list it in, into Ruth, Dorothea, okay. some of the other characters, and then go, and this is what happened. This is how it opened. Okay. Yeah. Fabulous. But that's no, me. No, we'll go for it. I'll follow your lead. If no, you no. Want. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> okay. So we've already mentioned Ruth, um, and we've given you a little bit of background on her. Uh, the, the gist of, of it with her is um, her stitching, as Annette said, is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We've told you about the baby. We've told you about the dad's death. What then happens is where the mum can't sew either. And seamstresses in them day had to buy the fabric to make the orders. Yeah. And when the dad blew his brains out, he got blood all over the fabric that she had to do the job. So she can't even get Ruth to do the job. So she has to go back to this absolute fucking nutcase who runs the seamstress shop uh, and and tell her what she's done. And she, this, this lady uh, will not allow the shop owner is Mrs. Metyard and she will not allow uh, any kind of credit or to work the debt off. And she, you realize that it's been pre-planned because she knows what's coming. She forces her her daughter, Ruth, into an apprenticeship with them. Now, apprenticeships in the Victorian era were not like apprenticeships we think of today. (laughs) Yeah. You were property. You were worked into the ground and you were property. You couldn't walk away. You couldn't leave. Um, And she forces that and and forces Ruth to agree by saying, if you don't, I'm going to send your mum to the workhouse. Yeah. To the to the pauper's prison, fear. I think it was, wasn't it? The, yeah, no, the debtor's prison. Just, that was it. Which is everybody's worst fear back then, because once you're in, you can't oh. get out. You know, that's that's end of days. She has an absolutely fucking awful time. It's horrendous. It's she? absolutely horrendous. All this poor girl wants is a friend, someone. Yeah. And at every turn. She's, be- She's just betrayed. betrayed or loses them another way. They either they yeah. either leave or are taken from her. And you can and it, you yeah. can see it builds in her like the negativity in her, which is understandable, just grows and grows. And like she, mm. the lines don't blur anymore. Everything becomes very black and white with her. And you wonder if that's a coping mechanism, isn't it? You know, like you either fit in this box or, or, or you don't. Yeah. I mean, she's they are beaten. She's forced to work. Um, she ends up becoming friends with someone in there called Mim. Poor Mim. Oh, Mim um, was so lovely. And all, all Mim, she, Mim's a, a little black kid. Um, and she is, is penalised for that. And, and, you know, you're talking Victorian England because she's different. Yeah. And all she wants to do is escape and find her yeah, mum. Yeah, just that, that's her. ride a stagecoach and find her mum. Yeah. That's the only two dreams she has. That, that's it. Yeah, and it's absolutely heartbreaking because what happens to poor Mim is Mrs. Metyard, who is a total lunatic. Oh, you think she was bad at the beginning. You did not see where that was going to go. No, I mean, you, you think she's abusive, she's beating them, she's starving them, they make them sleep in the basement on on cage, on uh, pallets, wooden pallets. And, and like Annette just said, you think she's bad and then it takes a seriously fucking dark and twisty turn. Yeah. And it transpires that she is, um, she's dressing up as her sadistic dead husband known as the captain. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's the way that 
Laura Purcell describes that moment, even when yeah. it's happening, you don't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. No, at all. it's like because obviously there's there's incidents happened before she's been punished by like being thrown into a coal shed and things like that. Yeah, and you know that wasn't that bad, but there was this. I think was this the time that there was the spill on the material, and yes. she took the blame because the other girls were setting up Mim. Yes. And so she said that she'd done it. So she was dragged up to um, the the living quarters of the mother and daughter, Mrs. Metcalf and her daughter. And then she's she's on the floor in front of this fireplace. And then she she sees this. It it looks almost like a, a shrine to the captain. It's yeah. his, like uniform and things. And then the door opens, and like we've all been told that he's he's passed away. This door opens yeah. and she's like it's him it's the captain he came he comes around the corner yeah but and he's and he's speaking in this way but then it's like the realization that doesn't sound quite right and then on closing yeah. space she looks and that's that's her that's mrs metyard uh, yeah. but oh my but the whole time i'm reading it up to the point it says it's her it's mrs metyard i was like no <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no way. There's no way that's right. Well, but then she proceeds to beat the crap out of her. Proper, and, yeah. And, and Ruth says, I never took the blame for anything again after that. Yeah, because she then understands, because up until that point, the punishments, although really harsh, had never been that severe. No. And it, and that's it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to her now why Mim had a, a missing digit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, from a Ruth's perspective, you know, later on in in the book, they they kill Mim. Oh, we've said what her dream is and that she wants to leave, and and she she does. She manages to orchestrate an escape. Yeah. But the fucking milkman oh catches God. her and brings her back. And what? ensues after that is a, a punishment so severe that, that Mim dies. Yeah, I mean, it's horrific. Um, and by this point, Ruth has been taught to make corsets with bones. Mm -hmm. So she's got all these boning knives, really sharp, you, you know, because that's how they used to make them to size. And Mrs. Metyard and the, the daughter, Kate yes. is the daughter, they get Ruth and they say to her, you, you, you need to to cut her up you need to to cut her, her hand up that's it you need to cut her hand off and they they cut her hand off and they throw it in the fire because if they don't she'll be identifiable and they'll know that it was me and the authorities will know that it was yeah. me so not only does she discover the torture that her her best friend because they do become best friends yeah uh, has gone through she then has to mutilate her body she's got no choice otherwise she's going to be next they have to mutilate she has to mutilate her body i mean this, not and only she just found her friend decomposing in a cupboard yeah she now has to she's been dead up. for a while yeah because she was oh, oh my god um and that's that's quite significant for her. i think that that breaks her that little bit more yeah um you kind of get a bit more of a hardening numbness from yes. us although she doesn't become horrible she just becomes a bit more like this is life yeah this is this is this is every this is my life now nothing's gonna change i'm gonna die yeah. here um and then you she um she ends up we as we move forward it's also worth noting at this point that the daughter kate is betrothed to a guy called billy Billy, when he was a kid, worked in the shop, but they sold him to a Draper family who were desperate for kids, couldn't have yeah. kids, and wanted a son. So Billy got out, but he still supplies them with fabric. So he is in and out across the course of the story and becomes very significant. Yeah, later. he has, like, the freedom of movement that none of the others have throughout the entire story. As well as having, yeah, as well as having that experience when he was younger to know exactly what's going on in yeah. there. So, for instance, when um, Ruth gets thrown into the, the coal hole, he knows yes. exactly where she's going to be and he lets her out. Yeah. Knowing full well there'll be no repercussions because of his relationship with Kate. Yeah. Um, so, it, and, and he becomes very significant later in, in, in the yeah. book. It comes to light, uh, everybody realises uh, that they, they killed Mim and Mrs. Metiel ends up going to um, prison 
and being hung, although they don't dwell on that too much. The remaining uh, lot of uh, apprentices, I say that loosely, are then unowned and discarded, aren't Mm -hmm. they? And, and left to fend for themselves. But they can't find employment anywhere else because of the stigma that is now associated with Mrs. Metyard. Uh, no one wants to touch them. They've got no references and their only association is with that shop. Yeah. So something happens. I can't remember what it is. Something happens to Ruth and she ends up in hospital. Um, well, what had happened was um, she'd tried to run herself, had didn't she? And she got caught. She's the one who raises the alarm, isn't yeah. she? And obviously... Mrs. Metyard gets hold of her as the captain. I think we should refer to it as the captain in those respects Mm. and tortures her, cuts off um, one of her toes. Yes. And that's why she can't, she struggles to walk. Um, Obviously then when everything is, when, when they're freed, a charity takes her into the hospital, but it's only for a finite Mm. amount of time because obviously talking the days when there was no NHS so everything had to yeah. be paid for. The money only went so far. And then once that ran out, you were out on your ear. The, you know, the, yeah. it was yesterday's chip the paper. The sponsor got bored. Yeah, yesterday's yeah. chip paper, yeah. the news. So um, she goes out. She's got to try and find work. The only type of people that are willing to hire her for any kind of maid work just want her for storytelling purposes. Yeah. And her friend, who also becomes quite significant later, Nell, Nell, comes to the hospital um, and and really appears to be very supportive, although she's down on her luck and she's living in a a hovel. Um, Ruth thinks that she's turned to prostitution, doesn't she? Uh, you find out later that she hasn't, but you you think that she's turned to, to prostitution. And she kind of befriends Ruth that little bit further and takes her back to her hovel. Um, Just to kind of show her, look, I mean, this is your only option is living in like a room full of men and women and children uh, where there's like tens of them and you all have to share a bucket in the centre of the room as your bathroom. Yeah. And and her despair begins to to grow again. Um, But they, as a pair, as a duo... They come across Billy, who is now married to Kate, mm-hmm. uh, and Billy Billy says that he sympathises with them and that he, he understands and that they should come and work for, for him. Uh, so he needs a personal maid for Kate and they need a cook, which could, which Nell could do. And initially they resist because they don't want anything to do with Kate because she used to roll out the beatings as well and they absolutely, you know, hate yeah. her. But they, they run out of options and it's that or, or prostitution is, is their two choices. Well, yeah, because it got to a point because the whole idea was all Ruth wanted to do was find out what happened to her mother. And yes. it got down to the last whatever amount of money they had and they had one of two choices because they were outside. They travelled all over the city. They couldn't yeah. find her. The last ditch attempt was the um, debtor's prison. Yeah. And... The guy says, you're going to have to pay me for the information. She might be here, she might not be. You have to pay for it. And so that last bit of money was the choice between finding out if she was there or sleeping Mm. in the hovel. It was their last bit of money. And And Nell, being overly supportive, a supportive self says, let's let's find out once and for all for you. Let's give our our last call. Um, I don't know if you want to reveal... What happened to her well, that's yeah. well. We're in full full spoilers, aren't we? So her mother was there, but she had died uh, in the prison. She'd end up having. Uh, did she end up having to sell her hair? All sorts yeah. of yeah, and because it and she ended up in there because Mrs. Metyard tricked her when she did the documentation and didn't put the full amount of no. money for the exchange of apprenticeship so that she could still put her in debt. Yeah, so prison. she's so Mrs. Metyard still. Even after death, still sticking in the knife, yeah. and sent her mother to her death. Horrible, absolutely vile. Yeah, and she because she only and Jordan didn't run away because she she didn't want the repercussions to fall on her mum, but her mum was already dead. Yeah. Um, so they they go back to Billy, and they say to Billy, okay. Yeah, we'll do it. We don't have a choice. We'll, we'll do it. And they go into service for Billy and Kate. So that's Kate, the daughter of Mrs. Matnyard, who's done all these atrocious things that Kate did did join in on. 
Uh, isn't isn't this the part though where Ruth's devising right? Well, I'm going to use this ability to my advantage now. You took my mother from me. Yes, I'm going to get my revenge on Kate. Yes, because prior to when they were going to get married in the shop, there is so much in this book. We're just never going to cover it all, no. are we? Then, <laughs> before um, all of this happened with Mim and um, Ruth was working on the corsets as a potential wedding gift um, at the instruction of Billy, who taught her how to make the corsets, uh, she makes a corset for Kate of this royal gorgeous blue. And it turns out to be Kate's favourite corset. But she, when she's stitching it, she realises the power that she's got with her stitches or, she, or the power she believes she has with her stitches. And she manifests all she can, all her hatred into this corset, mm -hmm. um, which is why she later believes that she has killed Kate because it was Kate's favourite corset. Yeah, she wanted it to be a slow, painful death. Yes. Um yeah, and you, I mean, some other things along the way that might be worth mentioning for Ruth is you find out that uh, the pair of, there's a, right early on in the beginning, there's a pair of gloves that she stitches for a bride. Um, the, the bride goes loony, doesn't work out well for her once she's worn them. The bully that we mentioned earlier comes into the shop. Yes, this was a fantastic um, little side story. It was, and, and she doesn't know that it's Ruth that's making the corset because Ruth's behind a curtain. Yeah, because the, the whole thing is this is the guy she's going to marry is called Mr. Green. It is his second yes. marriage, and she wants to make such a production that she wants her entire outfit to be made green. She wanted yeah. it to be a production moment. And uh, so they, they she makes her this corset, and again, she manifests all her... Uh, it, it, hatred and intention uh, into to making this corset, and the the bride dies. She goes green and dies from what transpires to be arsenic poisoning. What everyone at the time believes was arsenic poisoning, because arsenic was used to help dye things, all things green. green. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't uncommon for women to die from wearing green outfits. Yeah. And it, it linked back to, to the dangers of arsenic, which no one knew about. Oh, and it was horrific um, the way it was described. I mean, green yeah. foaming out of her mouth, her nose, her eyes. <laughs> it was fucking green, oh, was it? so gross. Um, the other thing about stitching is when, she, when Ruth's in prison, she's really reluctant to work in the laundry or the sewing room. And eventually they, they make her work in there and she works on some of the linens. And after having worked on the linens and the sheets that are used in the prison, mysteriously, there's an outbreak of illness and everybody starts being sick. <laughs> but it's Dorothea that convinced her to do it as well, didn't she? Yeah, saying to it, go, go for it. It's your skill set. You'll, you'll love it. It's a pile of rib. You, you don't have this power. Go. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Now, there, there is another event with the stitching, but we'll save that for the summary because that was the thing <gasps> that was right at the end with the finale. Stop it, yes. Um, you've then got Dorothea, which is your posh bird. Yes. And we've already said she's obsessed with the shape of skulls. Um, when she meets and starts to hear the story, she researches it. A lot of it ties in. Um, there's a lot of duality because the dad turned out to be an illegitimate son of, a, I don't know, a duke or a lord or something. Mm -hmm. um, the mum was lined up to marry well, but ended up settling for the dad who was a poor artist, which is why they, they were then poor. Uh, it was a bit of a scandal. And that kind of mirrors Dorothea because she's kind of seeing a copper on the side, isn't she, David? Yes. Yeah, she doesn't want to marry into wealth because uh, since the passing away of her mother, the father has suddenly started this new relationship, which would pretty mm. much mean if he marries and has other children, because Dorothea is the one in line to inherit her mother's wealth. Yes. But... Which rings alarm bells. Yeah, big time. So, but if her father remarries and has other children, suddenly it gets muddled and they then can get a get share, a, I think, yeah, don't they? And, and he's obviously going to try to have as many as he can with this woman. Yeah. I mentioned before there was a bit of a fingersmith vibe, and that's around uh, page 125, when she, I did think it was going to take a bit of a turn. It didn't, but I thought that it might, because she, there was such a 
point of her uh, description and admiration of Ruth when she's talking about her curls. Like she, she's looking at her and she's going, are her curls hard or are they soft like a crow's feather? And I was a little bit like, okay. Um, yeah, but it didn't go, it didn't go no. down that. And she was really flattered when um, Ruth says that she prefers her to the chaplain. She can talk more freely with her. But that, that was the last any kind of inkling of Fingersmith vibe that I picked up on. Yeah, no, she doesn't seem to have any real... I think it's just she's more mesmerised by this. Because it, she kind of... If you think about when she's talking about the other inmates, I think she kind of gets an obsession with each of them. Yes. And it's like, oh, she's always constantly referring back to she feels guilty that she's not gone to see them. But she's so enamoured by Ruth and her mm. story and the potential of what's that skull is like yeah because she still at this point hasn't been able to examine her skull so if, if you think about it the, the fixation with the hair it's just the fixation with her head that i didn't think of that that's a really nice tie-in yeah, yeah it's it's that area isn't yeah. it yeah so dorothy we've already mentioned her dad wants wants her out of the way really wants to marry her off um by chance at a dinner party she bumps into the brother of her mum dead mum's best friend mm -hmm. who they were really close with um he kind of takes a shine to her not necessarily lovey-dovey wise but just at her her basic flatness because she just wants to dissuade any kind of attempts yeah to, to gain her hand in marriage that leads to a dinner party uh, taking place with the, the mum's best friend which the dad's all up for because they're quite high ranking in social society um, and when they go, there's a comment that's made. So she, the, I can't remember her name, but the, the friend, yeah. uh, the mum's friend, she doesn't go out in public anymore because she randomly comes up uh, in welts. And it turns out that she brought a garment from the shop that Ruth worked in um, while they, when they were initially being beaten with, I think it was a, a, a twig or something like that. They would come up in these welts. Yeah. Um, but at the dinner party, a comment is made about the soup. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that, that it was her mum's recipe and her mum's favourite soup and that it smells of almonds. Now, I don't know about you, but anybody says that something smells of, of almonds, I automatically think fucking arsenic. Yeah, yeah I've read too many Miss Marshalls. Instantly, she's been poisoned. <laughs> so <laughs> that you start to think, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, then later on, uh, the guy proposes to her, she knocks him back, but he gets her to agree to meet, uh, in a cemetery, uh, and they, they're at the cemetery and he says that he wants to marry her just to keep her safe. There's nothing in it. He doesn't have any expectations of her, um, because he believe him and his sister believe that her dad killed her yeah. mum, poisoned mm -hmm. her mum. Now, she's not wearing any of this, quite adamantly so, but it's out there yeah. now. Then, I don't know, how can we, how, how much further can we go now without a summary? <laughs> That's pretty much it for Dorothea till the finale. Yeah. Your other characters that we've kind of already touched upon is you've got the shop owner, which is Mes Mrs. Metyard, who is the lunatic who owns the shop and dresses up as the dead husband known as the captain and ends up killing uh, Mim, one of the other shop girls. You've got Kate, who is the daughter of Mrs. Metyard. Um, and through most of the book, you think she also gets off on the abuse. Yep. Billy is the guy that we told you about as a kid. He worked for them, but then they sold him to the Drapers because they were desperate for children. You've got Nell, who was another one of the shop girls and is the one who, who stands by Ruth after she said her toes chopped off and she comes out of hospital mm -hmm. and goes to work as the cook in the house uh, with Billy and Kate. You've got little old Mim, bless her cotton socks, the one who dies. But I think her relationship is with Ruth is really quite telling. I think that's probably the only honest, genuine friendship yep. that she's ever had. Yeah, definitely. You've got Dorothea's dad as well, who, who's kind of lurking in the background, but does have an element of significance that grows as the book. So we find out that, you know, some people think that he killed his wife. Um, he does seem to grow in his controlling nature. Um, and he does kind of want her out, out of the house. Mm -hmm. Then you've got David, who is a copper that Dorothea 
wants to marry. They've talked about getting married and, and running off. She's hesitant because she wants to make sure that she's got enough money in her own right in the pot yeah. to survive whatever storm comes when they're cut off by, by society, which they will be. She, he is also her link into getting information about the prisoners that she goes to yes. see. He, he squirrels away the files. So that's, I mean, that's pretty much kind of a summary of all your key players, mm-hmm. isn't it? For me, my summary, Dorothy is poshing into skull. She meets Ruth, who, who's tried for murder of her employer, who was the daughter of the shop owner that abused her and becomes the wife of Billy, who has befriended her and also works there. Um, Ruth is sharing her stories as she goes. Dorothea begins to doubt whether or not it is coincidence or it's supernatural because she believes it's all linked to her sewing. Ruth is found guilty. And now I think we need to summarise. So now we can do the finale. If that takes us up to that point, go for it. I've done a lot of rabbiting. (laughs) Go for it. Okay, so... While in their employment, Ruth is witnessing that one of the thoughts she had when she was making the corset for Kate was that she would get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And she yes. she is seeing it happening. And it turns, it also turns out we discover that Nell and Billy turned up at the at Mrs. Metyard's on the same day together. Yes. Hand in hand as children. Yes. Big shocker. So as Kate is getting iller and iller, she's she starts to confide in Ruth a lot more. Um, yes. Like she finds that Kate has kept all the articles about her mother's trial, even though she didn't go to the hanging herself. Yeah. You know, and there, there's this moment where it really humanizes Kate when she catches yeah. Ruth reading them and she, she couldn't throw them away because she was her mother and she loved her. Yeah, and it that was just really heartbreaking. And you could see there was a moment in Ruth that was kind of like a, a moment of doubt in her staunch, "I'm going to end yeah. this girl for taking away my family." Because then it leads on as well to transpire that the reason initially you thought that Kate was really keen to always be the one to dole out the punishments, it's because she would would never do it as severely as as the captain. Yeah. And she's got the same scarring on her back. Up until this point, Ruth hadn't seen it, had she? No. And and that's when, because she said when she was so relieved, was it when was it when Nell turned up? Because maybe now she yeah. it wouldn't all be her getting the beatings yeah. anymore, seeing the captain. And it's yeah. like she you then realize she was just as much of a victim as the yeah. rest of them. And that she was trying to shield them in her own twisted yeah, way. as much as she could without incurring the punishments onto herself. Yeah. And it turns out Billy wasn't exactly safe from those incidents himself either. Mm. And he and Nell... He's got a thing about hot chocolate as well. That all was it, the yes, book. the hot chocolate, yes. He makes special hot chocolates for Kate all through the book. No one else. No, just for just Kate. Kate. Because they're always asking, oh, I'd love to try your your um, amazing hot chocolate one of yeah. these days. And he doesn't do it. And she, he's, when she's getting really ill, she was it she requests one for him from him. Yeah. And am I right in thinking that it smelled of something? It smelled of something. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> Um, and then, but but Kate, uh, but Ruth thinks that she she's the one who's who's been killing her because she's now getting um, iller and iller, yeah. and she she wants it to stop because she now also thinks that Kate is pregnant. Yes, that's it as well. She's because she hasn't had a she's missed a period um, quite a lot. She confides in Nell that she thinks that she's that pregnant. Kate's pregnant, and Nell t- well don't say don't say anything. Mm. To Billy. Yeah, because she confide, confides in it and Nell doesn't want Bill to know. And then when she has, uh, for want of a better word, a fit, when she she goes in into that spiral and Kate is, is dying, um, she turns around, Ruth turns around to Billy and says, it, it, it was me, I'm sorry, I, 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 I didn't know. Um, and she'd said to him just before that he thought Kate was pregnant. Yeah. She thought Kate was pregnant. 
and he makes a comment some something along the lines of I never would have if I'd known yes which you're kind of like whoa 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 second guess it yeah it's just dropped in there no prelude it's just and straight away you think ah oh, shit and that's when the link to the hot chocolate comes in but then at the same time when Ruth Ruth starts confessing all to Billy about what she thinks the, the ability she thinks she has yeah. and and she does that in front of other people as well doesn't she she goes I killed her I didn't mean to if I'd have known I wouldn't and have. yeah and so she tells him about this thing with the sewing so and he looks at her and says so you think you killed her yeah again red flag yeah so yeah. then, obviously, Kate passes away, and it turns out she wasn't pregnant. Yep, she wasn't pregnant, and the doctor and the mother-in-law, Billy's mum, call the authorities because they now believe that Ruth, because of what she said in her delirium and believing is her stitch and is the murderer, and that's when she, she's arrested and tried. Yeah, and then, um, obviously, Billy and Nell go up against her in court, Um which Dorothea's present for, and it's Dorothea that then twigs that they've set her up. Yep, because of, yeah. And it turns, so it turns out that Nell and Billy had had a relationship the entire time, and obviously they've been slowly poisoning her over the years with arsenic. Arsenic in the hot chocolate. I've got to say cyanide. (laughs) That's arsenic. (laughs) Get my poisons mixed up. But, yeah, and it's... Right, so then what happens next? After, so... Dorothea now knows. So Dorothea now knows. Um, the turnaround for being hung once you were found guilty is really, really quick. Um, and she, her, her, her Dorothea's dad, in the meantime, is becoming over the top controlling and following her around. Yeah. And he goes to the trial with her. And she starts to freak out when she twigs. And he's trying to steer her out of the courthouse. Um, so she leaves, but then she goes back afterwards, just before Ruth's about to, to be hung, uh, and says to, to Ruth, you know, it wasn't you. Yeah. It was them. They set you up. And she, Ruth basically resigns to the fact, she goes, well, at least it wasn't me then. If it wasn't my stitching, that, that means that I didn't kill the baby. I didn't make my mum go blind. My dad didn't kill him. And she is more relieved because she she's now been convinced by Dorothea that the setup means that it's not her son. Yeah. But while she's sitting there, she she wishes she could give something to Billy. So Dorothea gives Ruth a plain white handkerchief and says, "But I don't have any thread." Uh, and Ruth says, "That's okay. I'll use my hair." Yes. So she pulls the hair out of her head and she stitches, I think it's a a bee for Billy or whatever it is, on the handkerchief and says to Dorothea, will you deliver this to him for me? You know, everything's all right. She's at peace with it. She's ready to go. Yeah. And she's all up for it. So Dorothea, who is really conflicting um, feelings about the whole thing, agrees to it. She also gets to finally examine Ruth's skull. Mm -hmm. And there is no murderous tendencies on there. There's no bumps or anything that she's been looking for. Yep. Dorothea then leaves the prison as she can't bear to watch the hanging itself. Mm-hmm. So she leaves the prison and she goes to Billy's house and Billy's not in. So she leaves it uh, the handkerchief on the doorstep mm-hmm. of Billy's house. She returns home. She drops her hair down and she comments on the fact that she's got these murderous bumps yes. in her head. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And at this point, I thought to myself, was she the one who killed her mum? <gasps> Which you don't find out either way. I didn't even clock that. You know, I, 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 you, you don't know, but it was a thought that popped in my head of, hang on a minute. And then I immediately jumped to, is she going to kill her dad? Do you know that? But then the whole thing with the almonds, that was that then in the so, court when they mentioned the almonds? Was that, like, was it him getting caught or the fact of him realising? Who knows? <gasps> I didn't even think of that! New dimension! <laughs> oh, my God! So she's now sitting in her bedroom. She's noticed this bump on her head. Made me think, did she kill her mum? But you never no. know. It's just an unresolved thing. It's just a thing that popped in my head. Then I thought to myself, is she going to whack her dad? Yeah. Yeah, cause, And that's why she's seen this bump. At that point, the house staff start screaming. Mm-hmm. Saying, it's your father, it's your father. So she goes belting it down the stairs. And the dad is in the front room, strangling for breath, and he dies. And he's got these marks around his neck. And she notices that he's got the packet that was addressed to Billy and the uh, the handkerchief in his hand. 
So in my mind, I was there. And then the book ends. Yeah. (laughs) And in my mind, I was left with, did she poison her dad? Or was it Ruth's manifestation in her stitching and he opened the packet because she was thinking and talking about the hanging when she stitched yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So which one of them killed the it's, dad? It's, it's, it's up to you how you want to yeah, go. Yeah, that's, and that's it. And you need to boom, <laughs> end. What? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so poor old Ruth has been stitched up by Billy and now we've been playing a proper fucking long game since they were kids. Yep proper long game and the whole thing was to to kill Kate uh, and the revenge on Mrs Metyard is that you know not only does he take her daughter away he he takes all of her property and benefits from her business because he's married to to, to the daughter you know so she's been set up she's she's going to be hung by the hung man turns out that Dorothy is the one with the lumpy bumpy heads (laughs) (laughs) and that's where her obsession with this murderous bump comes from so all she's been trying to do is research as to whether or not these lumps and bumps do make you a murderer because she's got the lumps and bumps (laughs) and the dad dies and I was left thinking you know did he die because he's got the handkerchief and and Ruth's intention in her stitching when she stitched it with her hair while she was thinking about hanging killed him or do these lumps and bumps mean that actually Dorothea's been playing the long game and has been bumping off her dad yeah I know (laughs) it's so good (laughs) I, I, I thought it was really really good I mean yeah, there are so many bits that we haven't included. No, there really is. <laughs> because we'd be here for another hour. Oh, my gosh. At least. Good grief. Um, so, yeah, I mean, don't, by all means, read again and, and, and see what you think and if you agree with us. But if not, you've definitely got enough here to hold a conversation about and it. And I think we've even gone into stuff we hadn't even thought of ourselves just just by chatting about it. Um, and, Bans, and that's why... I love talking to you about it because you always see something I and don't. And vice versa. You, you, <laughs> and it's, it's that, oh, yeah, moment. Yeah. You, it's, <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, this was this this was absolutely brilliant. I couldn't put it down. Do you know, I think, I'm at hasten to add, I'm, th- this is probably my favourite book we've probably read so far. Because it didn't stop, no. did it? And you just, you did not see that shit coming. No, and every time you think you've got it, you know, start off with, I thought, oh, Ruth's a, a lunatic. You know, she should be in an asylum. You know, that she shouldn't be tried for murder if she believes that she's killed her with her stitching. And then you stack up all the coincidence and you start thinking, hang on a minute. <laughs> I mean, we have read enough books, watched enough movies, enough TV series that we think we know it all. We see the patterns and yeah. the rhythms. But Laura Purcell, my God, did she catch us on the fucking back foot with this one. 100%. And like you've just said, you've just hit the nail right on the head. We rarely are surprised. Even if we've only drilled it down to two possible outcomes, yep. we've normally got those outcomes. It's one or the other. This hour, I was just, every time I turned a page, I was like, what the fuck? especially in the end, when it's literally bang, 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 bang. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Shouldn't see the state me trying to get dishes done. Nandy's trying to talk to me. He's like, mm, shut up, the story's on. <laughs> It's a good bit. Like with my ear pod, like popping every second. What now? <laughs> it's getting good again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, if I could, I'd give it two thumbs up. Oh, my God. It, I give it, it three. I really do. <laughs> give it three. I really do. And I'm glad you did. The language itself wasn't what I would call flowery or dated, was no, it? No, I mean, obviously, there, there is a, a Victorian lit to... to yeah, and, and um, it compared to the class system of the time as well, and where people were on mm. those those scales. But it was it wasn't a struggle to understand. It didn't go off too into too much. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Descriptive. No, you know um, when you're using a word to describe something that's not that. You know, oh, what's the word? I've forgotten the word. It's not a synonym, is it? You do. I can't remember. But you, you know, say like. You're you're describing something else to mean something else. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get it in the neck for this, aren't I, for not knowing this word. It's gone out of my head. I don't know it either. S- <laughs> symbolism, like symbolism, synonym, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> we'll Google it. Oh afterwards. God, I used to work in education. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, th- there's there's not a lot of that happening. It is, and as you know, I like my writing very straightforward. 
Mm-hmm. And it's done that, but again, with this kind of Victorian lit about it, but it's it's not intimidating. It's not like, oh, what does that really mean? No, it's... Str- and it doesn't detract from no, it. No, not yeah. at all. It's straight to the, you know, she's straight to the point. You you do not lose any context if if no. you're not used to that style of speech, or vernacular. Mm. There you go. I got that word, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's very late. We're recording very late. <laughs> but no, oh, no, it had, once it gets its claws into you, once it gets its thread into you. That's it. A good one. <laughs> yeah. No, it was excellent. Oh, I mean, hats off to it. And thank you, Michelle, for suggesting. I mean, I knew it was a risk. You knew it was a risk. <laughs> I'm so glad that, because to be honest, there, there was a few options we had, and I wasn't, con- not 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 convinced, but you know, I just wasn't uh, feeling. Yeah, it. I wasn't. You just there was none it. that was like, ooh, yeah, that one. And then you kind of just suggested, like, well, I found this, and just give it a whirl. And my <laughs> God, I'm so glad you did. Yeah, it was so good. Because <laughs> my last suggestion was the Jonah. <laughs> you, you just see the death st- the coldness that went over me no yeah it, it was super highly highly recommend it 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 was it'll keep you on your toes you think you know where it's going and and, and you didn't no i mean I'm, there's there's more she's written a lot more stuff i'm definitely gonna have to check it out yeah, I'm thinking of the the Silent Companion. Apparently, is, is supposed to be one of her really good ones as well. Yeah, that was huge. That one, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, no, I'll definitely keep an eye an eye on her 100. Yeah. percent I think she's got another one coming out in August. A new one. Uh, let me just might be worth swinging around, isn't it? Oh, it's called something wicked. Ooh. And yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out August 2022. So yeah, have a have a look mm-hmm. on her bio. She's got some. Um, she used to be a bookseller, but started by writing like um, historical fiction. And mm. then that one you mentioned is like her big, the the novel that blew up because she went down the yeah. supernatural route. And she's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely reading some more of her stuff. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Phew! <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, we, we've really given it some time. Just looking at the timer as we're recording, we're, we're coming in close to a fucking hour. That's, that's long for us. <laughs> it's long for us. But that is a reflection of how engrossed we got in the book. 100%. Um, moving forward, what we have planned next, and correct me if I'm wrong on it, is a ramble, because we do like to do our rambles in we between. Um, so that should be cool. And then after that, we're going to do a book review of... Uh, Cunning Folk. Yep, it's by um, Adam Neville. Um, do you want a summary? Yeah. Go right. On. So, uh, excuse me, my glasses. A compelling folk horror story of deadly rivalry and the oldest magic from the four times winner of the August DeLeith Award for Best Horror Novel, No Home is Heaven with Hell Next Door. Money's mm-hmm. tight and their new home is a fixer-upper deep in rural southwest England with an ancient wood at the foot of the garden. Tom and his family are miles from anywhere and anyone familiar. Tom's wife Fiona was never convinced that buying the money pit at auction was a good idea, not least because the previous owner committed suicide, though <laughs> no one can explain why. Within days of crossing the threshold, when hostilities break out with the elderly couple next door, Tom's dreams of future contentment are threatened by an es- escalating tit-for-tat campaign of petty damage and disruption. Increasingly isolated and tormented, Tom risks losing his home, everyone dear to him and his mind, because surely only the mad would suspect that the oddballs across the hedgerow command unearthly powers. A malicious magic even older than the eerie wood and the strange barrow therein. A hallowed realm from where he suspects his neighbours draw a hideous power. I'm in. I'm so... <laughs> that sounds right up your street, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Because I'm, I, I do love a British setting Yes. for a folk horror kind of style. There's... American settings, perhaps it's because we're not familiar with them. American settings are always scary. Mm -hmm. 
and they are creepy, but there's just something a little next level creep. Yeah, when it's a British, I setting. think it's it's such British English folk is just so set in our history, like ancient yeah. evils. Yeah. Whereas the Americans is feels slightly more modern folk than, but yeah. this is just kind of like really base, earth, dirty. Here before us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the it's the soil under your nails kind of yeah. folky yeah. horror. Ooh. I'm up for it. I'm game. Sign me up. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to give it a go. We were we better shut up now and let these people go if they're still with us. <laughs> Not enough by now, crikey. Um, so yeah, love to everybody. We would love to know what you, you thought of the book. So come and share. And and based on feedback that we've had, if there is a book that you do have to read to be able to talk about, but you don't want to read it because you don't have the time and it fits in all sort of genre-ish areas. Give us a shout and we might read it for yeah, you. Yeah, so we could, we could, instead of having Cliff's Notes, as they call it in the States, you can have Chrome Notes. Yeah, in audio. Yeah, the Chrome Notes. <laughs> you can even listen to it on the drive to your party or your book club. Do you know what? That's the best way I suck in the information. <laughs> so, yeah, if there's something you want to read, um, you haven't got time or you can't be asked or you're just not sure it's worth it, if it falls in our genres, give us a shout and we might read it for you. Yeah, go on. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Two Crones and a Book. If you would like to contact the show, you can email us at twocronespodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to follow us on social media for episode content and more. You can find us on Twitter at Two Crones Pod and on Instagram at Two Crones and a Book. Also join our Facebook group at Two Crones and a Book. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on your podcast listening app of choice. Take care now and we'll see you next time. Bye.